Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Anna Krijel was a lovely and loving child within a loving family. There is no solace for them in this process. Anna's murder has resulted in a sentence which is lifelong, the death of a child, and uh, the manner in which it occurred has caused them deep misery and the destruction of their lives. Uh, this is according uh, to Mr Justice Paul McDermott, who pronounced judgment on two 15-year-old boys who murdered Anna, who was 14. At the time, the boys were just 13 years of age. And it's just part of what Justice McDermott had to say. Frank Graney was in court in the Central Criminal Court. Yes, he's on the line with us now. A very good morning to you, Frank, and thanks for joining us. Uh, Justice McDermott uh, spoke for some time, an hour and 45 minutes, I understand. That's right, yes. It did take him some time to outline, I suppose, the reasons um, uh, and how he was guided to arriving at the sentences that he handed down uh, yesterday. He is required or was required under the Children Act to which he was governed, obviously, because of the boys' ages, 13, as you mentioned. At the time, they uh, killed Anna Kriyashel in May of last year, 15 years of age now. So the law actually states that he has to give details um, as to how he arrived at his decision, but he opened up his um, he opened up his lengthy judgment uh, yesterday morning by paying tribute to Anna, um, which I thought was um, a very nice and sensitive place to start because more often than not, in my experience covering trials down through the years, albeit nothing will compare to the trial that has just come before the Central Criminal Court, the murder of Anna mm. of Anna Kriegel. I don't think any trial comes anywhere close to how horrific that was, and um, but. More often than not, what happens is, and for obvious reasons, the jury is only really concerned with the events leading up to a person's life, um, how a person died, and, 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 and those responsible in the dock and the evidence presented to them all relates around the killing, the moments, the final moments of a person's life. But in this case, it was very different because we all got a glimpse into the life, albeit short life, that Anna had led long before this happened uh, to her. Um, Geraldine Kriagel gave evidence at the beginning of the trial, so too did her husband, Patrick, and she said that they adopted Anna from her homeland of Russia when she was two and a half years of age and brought her back to Leakslip. And she described her love of dancing and of singing and how she used to practice dance moves in their living room. And her victim impact statements last week, which she delivered herself from the witness box, was so eloquent and so emotional mm. and so powerful. And it gave us more of an insight into Anna's life. She has two sisters over in Russia, um, arrangements were being made for her to go over and meet them for the first time and, and sadly that will never uh, happen but the judge did begin by noting that by saying that evidence in a trial can sometimes deflect from the life of a person 
but he said he wanted to make it clear that Anna's life was of supreme importance and central to today's hearing or to yesterday's hearing. He said that she should not be defined by the crimes committed against her because her life was far greater than that. He spoke about how she loved life, how she approached it with great energy, fun Mm. and imagination. And I thought that that was really interesting because Mr. Justice McDermott has never met Anna Kriyajal. I have never been lucky enough to meet Anna Kriyajal. You and your listeners, I imagine, don't know Anna Kriyajal. Many people around the country who are reading the newspaper Mm. coverage today will not have known Anna Kriyajal. But you really got a sense throughout the trial of who she was and what a wonderful, beautiful child she was. You look at those photographs doing the rounds today, She has a big, beautiful, beaming smile. Her eyes are dancing in every one of those photographs. She just really seems like a wonderful young person. And it's so tragic to think that her life was taken in such circumstances. And the judge was mindful of that yesterday. That is clearly something he would have had in the back of his mind in relation to the victim impact statements that Geraldine delivered last week he would have had to take that into account when he was constructing his sentence. Uh, I suppose it's true to say, in relative terms, few people would have known little Anna and uh, she really was uh, just a a little girl. But in the short time that she spent on this planet, uh, undoubtedly there were a lot of people who knew her or uh, would have had uh, an indirect relationship to her and would be affected by all of this when you think of her her friends, her school mates, uh, her teachers, uh, her own family and indeed the families of uh, the boys uh, who carried out this terrible deed, let alone uh, the whole community uh, and uh, other people uh, who may have had uh, some uh, direct or indirect involvement in all of this. Tell us about the court uh, and the setting in the court, uh, because this was a, a long hearing, obviously, and uh, Geraldine and Patrick have sat together uh, along with their supporters. What else was happening in the court? Well, it started at half past, well, it started about quarter to 11. It was set down for half past 10 yesterday morning, but there was a slight delay um, uh, boy A was first uh, in just before half past ten. Uh, he came in with his parents and his grandparents, and they sat together in a bench directly behind the row, uh, a row of benches where the various lawyers were were sitting. Um, directly behind him then was boy B. He walked in shortly after him, um, holding his mother's hand. He held her hand throughout the sentencing yesterday uh, his father was on the other side of him his father was not present at the sentence hearing last week we heard that when um, boy uh, B was convicted his father stormed out of the courtroom his absence was noted uh, last week but he was there yesterday um, and his son sat between him and his his wife. Um, five journalists then including myself were seated uh, behind uh, the boys um, there were an awful lot more journalists in the building, but the numbers allowed into the courtroom were restricted to just five for the purposes of sentencing. That was an order made by the judge. And um, there was an adjoining courtroom then where um, a live audio and video link was set up so that any additional journalists could uh, follow proceedings as they happened. Um, uh, as you can imagine, as the sentencing wore on and it became apparent that the judge was going to hand down a custodial sentence, And given the fact that they are so young, the legislation that he was governed by, the Children Act, specifically states that a period of detention should be a punishment of last resort when dealing with child offenders. Now, both he and a colleague of his in the Central Criminal Court when dealing with a separate case uh, the day before involving uh, a teenage boy who tried to kill a woman in Dunleary uh, back in 2017, both judges remarked on the fact that this piece of legislation does not deal with children who commit murder. 
So he was a little bit left in the dark in mm. relation to that. The decision that he had to make over the course of the past few days was not an easy one, clearly because there's no precedent really. These are the youngest um, you know, murderers uh, convicted in the mm. history of the state. Um, there was another case that he was able to take a look at involving a teenage boy in County Louth who killed another teenager uh, some time ago and he was handed a life sentence and there was a review put on that sentence, a 10-year review. The boy did come back before the courts after 10 years and it was decided that he should serve an additional few years and uh, he has since been released. So he would have been guided by that. He would have also had the assistance of the various reports that were compiled as part of the sentencing process, reports that he asked to be compiled such as psychological reports, psychiatric mm. reports, probation reports, uh, things like that. So all of that would have fed into the decision that he made yesterday. But it became abundantly clear that he wasn't going to consider or entertain mm. a non-custodial option because of the magnitude of what the boys did in taking Anna's life in such violent circumstances. Um, and when it became clear and when it started uh, to dawn on boy A's mother in particular that her son was going to be handed a lengthy sentence, she became very upset um, she was crying throughout, uh, she was wiping tears away, and at one point, just before he was sentenced, boy A could be seen leaning into her and whispering something into her ear, words of comfort, no doubt. Um, the two boys themselves seemed quite impassive uh, throughout yesterday's uh, sentencing, but boy B's father, again, um, didn't quite storm out of the courtroom yesterday, but did become very upset. He broke down after the sentence was handed down, and okay. um, boy A was was handed a life sentence, uh, but the court did order for a review to take place after 12 years. He was also handed an eight-year period of detention for the aggravated sexual assault, which he was convicted of. That is a crime that he still claims he did not commit. Yeah. So he hasn't accepted responsibility for that. That's something that the judge would have obviously taken into account. Mm -hmm. A boy B was sentenced to 15 years for Anna's murder with a review to take place after eight years. And after boy B's yeah. father learned that that was his fate, and um, he became very upset. There are very significant sentences, very significant sentences, sense, sentences particularly for children, uh, but uh, Justice McDermott uh, spent a, a long time uh, outlining the logic behind uh, the uh, sentence uh, that he, he was handing down to the two boys. Uh, Justice McDermott, I, I don't think, has ever come across a case like this. As you say, the youngest killers ever in the state. No judge, in fact, has. Uh, and indeed, I'm sure uh, the same is true of you, Frank, seasoned uh, as you are on uh, court cases, uh, but what what are your thoughts on what you've sat through on the two boys? I mean, obviously there's restrictions uh, on what can be said about the boys, uh, but we do know that the reports that you spoke about a moment ago said that there was no mental illness, there was no personality disorder, and there's no explanation as to why they did this. What what what, what what's your thoughts to to conclude this morning with us? And that is the big question mark, isn't it, is that we still don't know, despite the efforts of professionals who have spoken to the boys since they were convicted uh, of murder, um, we still don't know why they killed Anna Kriagel. And that's a question that will no doubt haunt Geraldine and Patrick, because the only logical explanation in the absence of um, a motive is that they killed her because they could because they saw her as an easy target and because they wanted to. And that, in my opinion, is pure evil personified. That they identified Anna Kriagel, who was suffering um, um, certain issues, uh, health issues as a child, but also she struggled to make friends as a teenager and was a, a vulnerable person. Mm. Um, 
you know, I think that that will go a great deal to helping Geraldine and Patrick on their very difficult journey, the life the lifelong sentence that they've been handed down. I mean, Geraldine spoke in her victim impact statement about how traumatic it was those three days when um, Anna was missing before her body was found in that derelict farmhouse in Lucan on May 17th of last year. How difficult it was not knowing where she was and not knowing what had happened to her and how difficult it was now, sometime later, knowing that there were two people out there who did. So it's the unanswered questions. We still don't know why and may never know why the boys um, killed Anna Kriagel. Certainly the only two people that can answer that question is them. Um, Boy A doesn't fully accept responsibility for murdering Anna. He does accept that he caused her death, but he claims it was unintentional. And now intention is obviously a very important ingredient when it comes to a murder conviction. So he doesn't fully accept the jury's verdict. And Boy B doesn't accept it at all. He still maintains that he had nothing to do with Anna Kriagel's murder. In relation to the case itself, you know, I have covered some harrowing cases down through the years. Um, you do become somewhat hardened by them. You do look at it as your job and you have to. You know, you, you find a way to leave this stuff at the door and go home and don't think about it again until the next day. But that's a luxury that the Creatures don't enjoy. And to be honest, during this trial, that's a luxury that I and I know my colleagues didn't enjoy. Um, Everybody has been deeply affected by this case. Mr. Justice McDermott spoke about how it has affected people right across the country. The thing is, you sit through these cases for eight weeks and the public is only given the tip of the iceberg in relation to what is said in court. Because of the graphic nature of the details that I and my colleagues sat through, we couldn't possibly reveal those details to the public. Some of them were just so graphic. But whatever about me and my colleagues, we're professionals and this is our job. Geraldine and Patrick Criagel did absolutely nothing to find themselves in the position that they found themselves in sitting through this evidence, the forensic evidence in particular, the post-mortem evidence. It took Professor Mary Cassidy, the former state pathologist, hours to outline the details of her report. I won't go into them this morning, but such was the extent of the injuries to Anna Criagel, 14-year-old Kildare schoolgirl, such was the extent of the injuries. It took Professor Cassie that long to go through them in detail. The boys were excused from that particular part of the trial. There were applications made in the absence of the jury that they would find the details of essentially what they did to her uh, too distressing to sit through, and they were excused because of their age. The Creagels bravely decided to sit through that and found the strength from God knows where. I, I have no doubt that they were thinking about Anna Creagel and that that possibly gave them strength to sit through that. But that's something that sticks out for me, is to sit through that and to hear such clinical evidence about what happened to their beloved daughter must have been very difficult uh, for them. As they left court yesterday, with the same grace that they have been throughout proceedings, I mean, they didn't let their emotions uh, get away from them at any point, really. You know, even when the verdicts were handed down and emotions are high, um, they were very respectful and very dignified and they held themselves with such grace and such dignity. Mm-hmm. It was the same yesterday when the okay. sentence was handed down. And, I, and I'll just leave you with the words of, of Patrick Criagel when, when he spoke to the gathered media outside and he said that justice had been served for Anna and he said, for our part, forever is not long enough. Please remember Anna and keep her in your hearts somewhere. And I thought those parting words were particularly 
um, impactful because I think Anna Kriyajal's story has touched many lives. I think her legacy will live on. I think people now around the country are having very important conversations with their children on the back of what happened to Anna Kriyajal. They're looking more closely at what their children are accessing online and what they have potentially got access to. Cyberbullying has now become a discussion again. It's been a discussion down through the years. Anna Kriyajal was bullied online extensively. And there have been conversations, even in the Dáil Chamber, down through the years in relation to how we tackle cyberbullying. Clearly not enough is being done. That's a conversation that is starting again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll never have another situation like we have had with with Anna Kriyajal, that something will uh, be done to protect our children a little bit better. Frank, thank you very much indeed. That's our course correspondent, Frank Green. Michael Michael Reed on on LMFM. LMFM.